0: It's Ty Power's Bigfooty final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Tyre Power's Bigfooty final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. On 882 6PR, inspiring stories for Barra and O'Day, WA's family-owned funeral directors. Hello once again, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome
1: to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day, doing ordinary things extraordinarily well. Uh, My guest uh, in this edition is a name that uh, many of you will be familiar with uh, for uh, perhaps uh, a variety of reasons. Uh, He's a self-made businessman, uh, a passionate Fremantle Dockers fan, in fact, uh, a former club president, but you can just about guarantee to see uh, Rick Hart uh, around any Fremantle Dockers function uh, or game uh, during the footy season, so uh, he is our special guest in this edition of Inspiring Stories. So, hello, Rick. Hello, Jim. Nice to be here. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for your time. Firstly, let's How's let's talk Dockers. Yeah, uh, another season done. Yep. Your reflections on it. Look, I, I must say because you know I, I had the privilege of uh, of hosting some of the uh, game day functions in the President's Lounge there, yeah. and I, I would I would see you there, and uh, you know you can you can generally get a get a gauge of how things are going from the from the mood in the room, yeah. Uh, as the season went from from start to finish, I think uh, you know maybe some people were a little disappointed with how uh, the the season panned out. But your reflections on it? Yeah,
2: look, I th- I think probably first of all I didn't have any great expectations for the yeah. year, so um, I, I could see that it might have been a bit of a struggle. So so in effect, the, you know, the fact that they were able to win. Uh, the eight games that they did yep. was, was probably okay from my point of view. Yep, I thought,
1: yep, you know, and more than many of the so-called experts expected them to as well. Yeah, yeah. So, eight
2: wins gives you a sort of a springboard for the next yep. season to, to, to build on that, and then you, you, you know, you could aim for probably the bottom eight. And you're not far away. Yeah. Um, you know, there were some disappointing aspects of of the season, and uh, you know, I guess that's that's AFL. You get that um you know some of their away wins were were really yeah you know really bad which is uh you know a bit of a, a bit of a problem and something mm. that they need to work on and uh, become much more competitive away you can't you can't sort of have that disparity between yep. you know being good at home and and being terrible away mm. so
1: you were the president of the uh the footy club for a while yeah i was how yeah. did, how did you enjoy that time what what was the what was the best thing about being the president of, a, of an oh, AFL footy
2: club? Well, it was probably, uh, it was a bit of a dichotomy um, because uh, when I came along, um, you know, I was first approached in 2001, which wasn't a great time for the Dockers at all. They'd, they'd just won uh, two games out of 21 in that, in that season and they were um, in pretty bad financial strife and had a multi-million dollar debt. Mm. Um, so it wasn't looking so, too good, but, um, but building on that, you know, and I took the view from there that, um, there's not much downside here. Um, mm. uh, it, it wasn't a very attractive, uh, job offer probably, but I thought <laughs> somebody has to do it. And, uh, if I can help, uh, my beloved Fremantle football club, then, yep. uh, you know, someone has to step in when times are tough and and um, And try and lead him out of the mire, so we managed mm. to do that within a few years and uh, you know I was there as president for, from two thousand and two to two thousand and nine, so
1: eight years it 's a decent stint
2: it's a decent stint, a decent stint and uh, you know there were many many highs and lows in that yeah in that period of time um, but um, I think uh, Chris Connolly, the coach had a uh, a very good saying. He said, "For for every lick of the ice cream, you get six kicks in the bum." So, uh, <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> I've that heard sort of, that one before.
2: <laughs> that sort of sums it up a bit, you know. But, <laughs> but the highs out, outweigh the lows, and yeah. uh, you know you, you you remember those high moments. Yeah, and, yeah. So we had plenty of those as well.
1: And and look, you know, <laughs> you look at the picture now. Yeah, you know, season eight wins. Uh, a yeah, state of the art new facility at uh, at Coburn. Yeah, uh, great membership numbers. Um, and, uh, and and always this, I suppose this uh, you know look towards next season. There is promise for uh, yeah. The well, they've forward. got something to build on, and, and you
2: hope that they'll be able to do that. You know, and we hope that, that they can get their recruiting right and that they get yep. their trading right, and that they don't lose key players. And yep. um, and, and that's that's what it's all about. But the, the club in itself is in a strong position. Yep, um, they're, in, they're in a great facility. They're, they're strong financially. They've got good membership. Um, and uh, they just need now to tick the next box, which is uh, sustained success. Who did you support prior
1: to the uh, the Dockers coming on board, prior to their existence?
2: Well, that's it's a pretty good story, really. So I was a Carlton supporter, yeah,
1: um, uh, uh,
2: as a youngster. Because... They've been very quiet this year too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, not many people admit to that. At the moment. So I, I've, I, I sort of became a Carlton supporter because a few, I was an Fremantle yep. man prior yep. to. Um, in the Waffle and um, a lot of Eastern Mantle players ended up at Carlton or, yep. or one particular which was one of my favourites, Bert Thornley. So I took that on. And then when AFL came to Perth, yep. like everybody else, I yep. I became an Eagles supporter. Yes. But I did it with a proviso. I said, well, when a Fremantle team comes along, I'll abandon that and, uh, and jump aboard Fremantle, which I did. Unfortunately, there were thousands upon thousands of Fremantle people that that followed the Eagles because we had AFL in town yep and all of those said that they'd they'd uh, jump across to Fremantle but unfortunately with the success that the Eagles had <laughs> it made uh, it they up. all stayed there so yeah uh, um, you know not not many came over so we've got a lot of Fremantle people yeah that are now Eagles supporters but good luck to them
1: yeah um, I, I know that uh, you, you know uh, Joe O'day I do. Marin O'Day, of course, uh, fine sponsor of this, uh, this this particular program. Well, the O um, boys, I know I'm them well. I'm surprised he uh, he was okay with you coming coming in for a chat because well, he's I, a massive Eagles fan, isn't well, he?
2: Well, he is. I'm I just worry that he's you know walks past me and measures me up, and I'm just a bit worried about
1: that. But, <laughs> yeah, he's a massive Eagles man, and um, I bet he uh, lets you know about it. The they do. There. Yeah, a yeah. lot of them do. Yeah. <laughs> Um, tell us about, uh, about Rick Hart, the boy, because uh, I know you grew up in, uh, in, in Country WA, didn't
2: you? Yeah, I did. I grew up in Meriden. Uh, um, um, interesting life. We had a family farm at New Kearney, which was just out of Meriden. And my mum and dad owned a general store at Corbell, which was sort of between Bruce Rock and Meriden, just a yep. little one-horse town. Um, so I had a, a country upbringing, I, I did the usual farm things, you know, like taking a turn on the tractor at seeding time and mm. harvest time. Um, went to school at Meriden High School, played a lot of sport in Meriden um, and uh, generally had a great country life.
1: Yeah. And what was it that initially drew you towards the,
2: the big smoke? Well, you're going to like this because uh, all, all I wanted to do in my uh, last years at high school, my ambition was to be a journalist. Right, so uh, that was, you know, I concentrated solely on that and that was my one aim. Can and I just say I think you made a good
1: decision? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I
2: think. Later days have probably proved that to me, but uh, but in those days I was sort of fixated on it. Yep. And uh, I came down to Perth to apply for a cadetship with, with the West Australian. And uh, being a fairly naive country boy, I just thought it would be a natural process to get through, but I didn't realise it was about... 500 other kids wanted to do the same thing, so yeah. it was it was a bit of a difficult path. So I, yeah. I, I missed out there. And um, my second choice was to go back to the country as, a, as a, like a stock and station agent with one of the big um, stock firms, Dalgetty's, West mm. Farmers, one of those elders. Um, so I applied to all of those as my second choice, and I ended up uh, getting a job with Dalgetty's uh, as a... How old was I? 17? Yep. Um... And uh, they had a training process where they went through for about six months and you ended up usually being posted out to one of the country country towns. Yeah. And that's really what I was looking to do. Um, as it happened, I got posted to a metropolitan department. So I was sort of stuck in Perth for a while. And uh, the more I was stuck in Perth, the more I sort of became to like the lifestyle yeah. down here, yeah, you know, with the beaches and sport and... and uh, probably girls as well, you know, <laughs> more girls in Perth than there were in Meriden. <laughs> so we uh, sort of became fairly uh, fairly indoctrinated with city life. So then yeah. I sort of put that on hold and I thought, oh, yeah. well, this will be okay. Yeah. And then um, from there, I ended up in, in one of their trading companies, which is a wholesale wine and spirits merchant. Mm. So I ended up in the liquor trade for about 13 years um, and
1: um, yeah, had a great, not a bad place to be. It
2: was, a, it was a pretty good, pretty good life at the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Did you do a stint as a as a bookie as well? I did. One? Yeah. After
2: um, after leaving Dalgetty's, I ended up going into business, and that's probably another story. Um, but um, uh, for a period from nineteen seventy nine to nineteen ninety two, I had thirteen years as a bookie. Prior to that, I'd been a penciler with one of Perth's big leading bookies. Um, so I sort of uh, had the blooding for it, if you yeah. like, um, and I, it was something that I always aimed to do, and um, so in the late 70s, I, I took out a licence and just started down the bottom. Yeah. And in my first meeting, my first bookmaker, standing, standing role as a bookmaker was at the Albany races, yeah. and the second one was at Pingrup. which was yeah. sort of like a pic, picnic meeting. Um, and so I wallowed around in the bush for a while, and then I came to uh, came to Perth, and we went through what they called the Ledger in those days, which was the sort of free entry. Uh, all the battlers used to get out there, and 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 there was a, uh, a passageway through to the what they called the enclosure, which was where people actually paid to get in, mm. and that was the progression. So you went to the, the country, then to the Ledger, and then to finally to the enclosure, which was the big yeah. big
1: bookies ring. You still enjoy a punt? I love it. Yeah. Yeah? yeah, yeah. You
2: get to the races now? Yeah, I get. Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I don't go as much as I used to. Yeah, um, I race a few horses, so I go when when they're in, or I go when the uh, the good racing yeah. days are on. Yeah. Um, especially the you know the big carnival races
1: yeah. and so on. I love yeah. going to Melbourne,
2: mm. Melbourne carnival.
1: Oh yeah, it's a special time of year, isn't it? Yeah. We need to take a break, Rick, but yeah. after the break, I want to ask you about uh, how you uh, started to build your, uh, your empire, your electrical yeah. uh, and, and white goods uh, empire here in Perth. Uh, Rick Hart is our special guest. This is WA's Inspiring Stories
0: here on 882 6PR. Back with more soon. You're listening to another edition of Inspiring Stories on 882 6PR for Barra and O'Day, WA's family-owned funeral directors. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR, brought to you by Barra and O'Day. And Rick Hart is our special guest in this edition
1: of Inspiring Stories. Uh, Rick Hart, uh, the name above uh, many retail stores, is what I suppose a lot of people would uh, would know you from. Rick, tell us about how you first got into that game. Yeah, that was um that was way back in the mid
2: seventies. Tim um, uh, got into it quite by accident. we'd uh, I had a mate that was working with me at Dalgetty's, and we'd sort of were looking for something to do, and we sort of had a bit of an ambition to get into business and anyway, as as luck would have it, there was a um, a container of damaged refrigerators that had arrived at the wharf. Yep. Destined for one of the big retailers at the time, and they knocked them back and claimed insurance on them. Yeah. So somewhere along the line, the insurance assessors came along and said, "Look, there's a load of damaged refrigerators. We need to get rid of them. Put we're, in. We're, them. we're talking
1: about just a few a few dings and scratches.
2: Yeah, just little dents and things, just from being yeah. bashed around in the, in the rough yep. rough seas or whatever it was. And um, anyway, they weren't any good for the retailer because they wanted they wanted Yeah. Brand spanking new Pristine brand new things. Um, But we saw an opportunity. We thought, well, if we can get these at the right price and sell them at uh, Mm. sort of half price around the place, it would be a good little weekend uh, income for us. Yeah. So that's what we did, and we ended up – we got the tender – I think there was a bit of insider trading there, but that wasn't the word back then. <laughs> I think we got the tip off of what to what to put in. Um, anyway, then we just started selling them. In those days, the Sunday Times had a really big classified yep. thing called the Readers' Mart, and, yep. and that was where a lot of business was done. We started just advertising them in there. We we had a little uh, front part of a of a panel beater in Osborne Park, and we stacked them in there and all around the place. And, <laughs> We used to advertise them and, and – How did
1: they end up there? Was this panel beat or a mate of yours or – Yeah, it was It was actually
2: my business partner at the time. It was his brother. Right. Uh, and it was an unused portion of his okay. premises. So he said, well, you're welcome to do it from there. So we mm. did that. And we'd wait till we sold three or four. Then we put them on the back of a ute mm. and we'd go out, run around and deliver them. We did that mm. successfully, you know, we – we just did it for two or three hours on a Sunday. Yep. And we did it successfully. There was about 100 of the fridges, so it took us, I don't know how long it took us, probably three months yeah. like, to sell them all. And uh, the interesting thing was that everywhere we went, and it was, you know, we started in Osmond Park, so it was sort of within that radius. Everywhere we delivered this fridge, people would say, oh, it'd be lovely if we could buy this sort of stuff in this area. And there's yeah. There's no, nowhere you can buy it. We yeah. We started one... One on one sort of started adding up to three, and uh, we thought, mm. Gee, "This, this might be a bit of a chance here." So um, we sort of added to the fridges, and we we said, brought in air conditioners, and colour TV had just come out in seventy-five, so that was a, a big market in those days. So we just sort of said, "Well, we set up a little warehouse-style retail thing," and that it took uh, off from there. Took off from there, yeah. So um,
1: just by, from those hundred. Yeah. Bridges that had yeah. taken a couple of knocks on their travels here. Yeah. <laughs> that's where it all started. Yeah. So then
2: uh, that partnership didn't um uh, didn't survive very long. It was called Northern Discounts back then. Yeah. And then um I think in about that broke up in about late seventy nine, so nineteen eighty probably, uh that's yeah. where the Ricart branding came in. Yeah. So we I, yeah. I, I sort of went off on my own my own. Um went back to Osmond Park and and started a sort of a fairly new concept of a warehouse display yeah. showroom yeah. Um, and that sort of took off you know people really really liked to see that we we, we catered for kitchen cooking appliances which mm. hadn't really been given much mm. floor space by retailers so mm. it was it was something quite different yeah. And we found that it was a really attractive thing for yeah for consumers so so that really sort of took yeah. off from there then we Um, you know, we went along with that for about, I guess, 10 or 11 years before we added a second store to it. Yeah. Um, by this time we'd moved to new premises in Guthrie Street, um, and it had really started to to take off and we thought, well, we need another store because it's Mm. almost too busy. So we opened another one at Canning Vale. Um, then we bought the Retrovision store down at Rockingham and, um... Then we bought one at Mandurah, and then that sort of started every it's snowballed. Yeah, sort of every year, just about every year, we opened another store. Yeah, so to the point that by about um, two thousand and two or two thousand and three, we had about sixteen stores in yeah. in WA.
1: You always seem to have a big uh, advertising yeah presence. So yeah, your, your name was was always being uh, pumped out there. I can I can still vividly recall. Yeah. Uh, you know seeing your ad on TV and 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 seeing it in, in newspapers it was every obviously that was a, it was a, a key part of your plan.
2: It was you know I, I was always a great believer in advertising mar- advertising and marketing which yep. um, other people probably weren't so much. Um, so I thought well we can make a point of difference here and um, so we drove the business by yep. that, that sort of um, high power advertising. Yep. Um, it was interesting though that the the name, um, it had a degree of anonymity for me, yeah. Um, because you know, back in those days, we had, you know, we didn't have a lot of staff, so I I was actually on the floor selling, yeah. And I found that when when people realised they were dealing with me, Richard. Yeah. They, they sort of, oh, you're too busy. I, you know, you yeah. don't have to talk to me, and they'd sort of lose interest in the sale. So I, yeah. So I ended up uh, developing a, a nickname for myself, and I just called myself Terry, so that, <laughs> so that uh, they didn't, you know, they didn't get embarrassed talking to me. Um, but then um, in 1997, some eastern states retailers started arriving in Perth, and yeah. my agents at the time said, look. You know, you've got to come out and and, yeah. and show yourself as a West Australian. You've got to mm. be identified. You've got to start mm-hmm. doing the ads and all that sort of thing. So uh, that level of anonymity quickly that, disappeared. that I disappeared. I and then by the time two thousand and one came and and I became president of Fremantle,
1: that oh, totally yeah. disappeared. Gone. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Now my uh, my grandfather, who's uh, sadly passed away, but uh, look, he 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 loved a, a tale telling yeah. a story. Yep. And and one of his stories, uh, you know, he he was very proud of his uh, his T V and you know, it was his pride and joy, sat there in the corner yeah. of the lounge room. He'd sit there in his favourite chair every night and watch whatever was on. Yeah. But he used to love telling the story that he he bought his first Colour TV from you. I don't know well from oh, really? you, you slash Terry. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: right. And he is absolutely. I mean, I'm sure most of his stories, you know, were you know 10 truth and 90
2: <laughs> like most grandfathers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. I was you know, to they'd that. get
1: a little bit uh, more exciting every time he told them. But he was absolutely adamant that he not only bought his TV from you, but that you brought it round to his house, very likely, and and yeah. and, and, and set it up, tune the channels. Yep. Yeah. That Rick Hart himself did all that for him. Yeah, he's probably, he's could, probably could that be, dead be true? Right. Absolutely, because that's what
2: we used to do. You know, we <laughs> we we used to do that level of, of uh, personal service for yeah. customers, you know, and that that's what sort of set us apart from uh, the big chain retailers. Yeah. And, and, yeah, we certainly did that. Yeah. And and interestingly, when Colour TV was was on in uh, – when it started in 75, yeah. 76, we used to actually – people used to come in and look at Colour TV and they were confused about everything. We'd say, look. Take it home with you and Mm. try it out. Uh, if you don't like it, we'll come and pick it up on Monday. Yeah. Well, you know the chances yeah. of coming back you know, when the kids are Yeah. So uh, that was the sort of level of of, yeah. of service that we did. So yeah, Grandpa's probably right. I probably oh, well, did. Do thank that. you
1: for confirming for, 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 I mean, that one. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> there's about twenty other stories that I'm not sure about, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that one I'll chalk up as uh, as most likely a, true. Right. Yep. Thank you very much for that. Uh-huh. That that thrill of the of, of making the sale though. Uh, yep. Obviously, you, you know you, you've stepped away from that now. Do you miss that that, that yeah, engagement yeah. with a with a customer? Yeah, look, and I, and I still, you know, it,
2: even though my role has changed now, I still like talking to customers when I'm yeah in the stores, and and you know they like still like to talk to me, and yep. Um, even though I don't know much as much about the products as what I'd like to, uh, yeah. uh, So I always pass them on to one of the experts in the store. Yep. But yeah, it's look, it's um, it, it's a great thing, and I, you know, I mean, I've got retail in my blood um from when i was a kid you know working in a general store so um i love retail because i think the 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 benefit of retail as a as a vocation is that every day is a different day you know yeah it's a different set of circumstances different set of customers um so it's you know
1: i think it's i think it's a great industry yeah rick hart is our special guest in this edition of inspiring stories here on 882 6pr back with more in a moment
0: you're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra and O'Day, generations of excellence since 1888. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR, brought to you by Barra and O'Day. And Rick Hart is
1: our special guest in this edition of Inspiring Stories. Uh, just before the break, we were sort of talking about the uh, the early days uh, of your, uh, your retail uh, empire, Rick. Um, you know, you were opening more, more and more stores all the time, and then suddenly you've got the eastern states competitors come over. Yeah. Uh, was there ever a moment where you thought, "Well, might be time for me to maybe bail out of this"? No, not really. I, I always thought we had a
2: bit of an advantage over them, being you know, being Western Australian and, yeah. and being a little bit different. We are on, a bit parochial, here. yeah, we are, yeah. yeah. And I think focusing on on a different product range to what yeah. what they were they were doing. Um, but the the interesting thing about the the branding exercise that took place with with me becoming the face of the business and yeah and doing the ads and so on that sort of took it to another level and became uh, busier and busier you know? yeah and, and so that was uh, definitely definitely a step in the right direction yep. and um, um, you know it was a, a, a pure exercise in branding mm. Mm. um and it became a powerful brand so much so that it, it, at some stage I was thinking about. Um, two thousand and three or four or something. We we were judged one of the best known brands in WA, like, yeah. along with brands like Bunnings and yeah, um, Red yep. Rooster and all those sorts of things. So,
1: so that was a sort of a good tick. Yeah, uh, it, it's stepping away from that though, um, you know, suddenly the the, the Rick Hart name on the front of the store was was no more. Tell us, tell us about that. Yeah, well, about that, that time, that was rather interesting because.
2: You know, by the time we we ended up with, um, I, th- I think it was sixteen stores in two thousand and five, and we'd sort of got to about as far as you could go with with the number of stores and and the growth of the business. So, and it was pretty capital intensive as well. You know, so you sort of every time you open a store, it's a, you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to do yep. so. So you, you know, at some stage you have come to the end of your capacity. So you. you you, you've got to work out what the next strategy is. Yep. Um, so that became a, a company in in Melbourne doing the sort of same sort of thing as we were doing called Clyde Peters. Yep. Um, decided that they would like to acquire our business yep. and put it together with theirs and do a public listing. Mm. Um, so we agreed to that in 2005 and um, that was – uh, really successful for for us as part of their group, mm. they enabled us to retain the Ricard name here. Mm. Um, so just added a, a bit of buying power and a bit mm. of grunt to the to the uh, to the business, I guess. Mm. And that was really successful. But they they went off on a uh, on an expansion program uh, into Sydney and Brisbane and, and um, more stores in Victoria, and I think they just got. Got ahead of themselves got a, a bit. bit, too big, too quickly. Yeah. yeah, and then they had a rather big embezzlement from uh, one of their accounting staff, which oh, sort of put them under a <laughs> lot of financial pressure. Um, and um, eventually, it uh, it folded. Um, by the time I'd sort of left, that was two thousand and five. I had a three year contract. actually stayed for four years with them. Yep. Two thousand and nine, it started to get a bit ugly, so I yep. I, I bailed out. Yep, um, and it wasn't long after, I think in 2010, that they went into receivership, and then that brand, the, the Rick Hart brand that I'd worked up for, for all those years, uh, then ended up in the hands of Harvey Norman, who was yeah. uh, my greatest competitor at the time. So that wasn't yeah. great,
1: great news. How, yeah, how did how did that sit with you?
2: Yeah, it didn't. It was uh, it was a bit of a shock, really. But uh, then I thought, oh well, we can't do anything about it. You know, yeah, they, they ended up with the brand, so. Uh, um, by that stage, I'd moved on and, and um, started the upmarket appliance yeah. cooking kitchen, kitchen headquarters, yep. uh, which was up and running by uh, sort of late 2010, yep. um, which was about the time that that, that all happened. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit of a shock. And, and then, of course, um, Harvey Norman continued on with the, with the Rick or some of the mm-hmm. Rick Hart's stores. They closed a lot of them. They, they, they gradually closed all of them. Um, and, um, so that, that didn't work for them. Yeah. They couldn't, they couldn't work that. So then they changed them all from Rick Hart to Harvey Norman and that went even worse. Yeah. Um, and then later on they, they came back with the Rick Hart brand, Rick Hart at Harvey <laughs> still, Norman. Still, still trying to maximize yeah, your value. Trying to do something. <laughs> but that didn't work or the, either side so just disappeared completely. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Have you got a little bit of your anonymity back? Um, look, not really.
2: Not really. I think probably uh, I love seeing young people everywhere because they they don't remember it. Because yeah, they, yeah. So that I don't get uh, you know. I, I'm used to going up on escalators at the races or at the uh, football or whatever with people yeah. saying, oh, I bought my stuff from you, or worse, <laughs> oh, I bought, I'm going to buy my stuff from Harvey Norman. <laughs> so I'm used to that sort of ragging and uh, yeah, uh, and I'm used to people walking past you'd you'd know the same, you know. People walk past in the street, and they say, "Oh, that's regard." <laughs> yeah, and they think that you don't hear them. Yeah, but so uh, look, there is a little bit of it come back, but it's um, it's yeah, still, it's, doesn't bother you too much. No, it, it doesn't. You no. know, you just yeah, you, no. you live with the fact that um, it's been a success, and yeah, uh, if that's
1: and in hindsight, yeah. given given the, that that space now with you know the likes of Amazon coming, yeah, coming, here, it, it'd be incredibly tough to to prosper in that environment now, wouldn't
2: it? I think in the environment that uh, that is commodity product, you know, like the, yep. the consumer-driven product, you know, like just basic fridges, washing machines, TVs and that sort of thing. Yeah. It l- has been desperately affected by, yep. by online activity. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think specialist stores like um, like we set up with Kitchen Headquarters, which is then sold to winning appliances, is quite different because, mm. you know, people need to go in store, they need to get a demonstration, mm. they need to see how it works. mm um, so they're they're sort of to a great degree protected from online, mm. but the, the general run of the mill stuff, yeah, as it is in every retail area, is, yeah. is under pressure. From Pretty that. tough, yeah. yeah.
1: So you still have an association with uh, with winning appliances, yeah. I'm, so yeah.
2: I'm brand ambassador for, yeah. for winning, so that that's just helped them establish a brand here in in WA with S-
1: still with, still using your still, y- your name and your yeah, and your cred around yeah, town. That's yeah,
2: that's right. Yeah, so. So that's been uh, the last four years. So, you know, my my role is just to sort of help with the branding yeah. and, yeah. and uh, give a bit of advice where I can, yeah. PR and you mm. know, yeah. game of golf here and there and lunch here and there,
1: and all those sorts of things. Sounds like a tough life. Laugh. <laughs> oh, yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> Getting along to the footy on the weekend. Yeah, we've got to get yeah. to the footy, yeah. 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 Um, but, but you know, obviously stepping away from, the, from that being a, a, a full-on role uh, yeah. for you, uh, what did you go on and do after that? I know you've, got, you've obviously been involved with, with Winning Appliances, but you've had some other uh, companies and, and, and organisations that you've dabbled with too. Oh, you?
2: not so much. <clears throat>
1: not so much um, other activities.
2: You know, I mean, I do a bit of uh, commercial property and yep. I've got a um, a property, uh, rural property up at Serpentine where I breed a few horses and so on. I used yep. to breed a lot of horses. I'm, I've sort of uh, cut that back now to a couple of mares, but... Um, you know, so I, I, I really love my involvement with horses. Yeah. Um, not only the racing aspect of it, but the animal as, aspect of it. I love, I love getting up there on a Sunday and mm. sort of walking around the paddock with horses and trying to get into their brain and yeah. find out how they work and all that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah. Have you worked um, them out yet? No I, <laughs> <laughs> no. I actually did a. I'm also an ambassador for Owners Only, which is an offshoot of Racing and Wagering WA, and we were doing a a photo shoot down at the South Perth Foreshore with a couple of horses, a, a trotter and a racehorse and a greyhound. And and I was holding this horse for this young lady and it just stood still like it had been doing it all its life. And I said, yeah. I want to I take this horse home. It's so well-behaved. I don't have any well-behaved ones. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> she yeah. didn't share her secret. No, she, she didn't, no, I think it was just well-practised. Yeah. yeah. Um, Renaissance Minerals Limited? Renaissance, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I got involved with that. Um, who were who they? Um, well, they've since disappeared, but they were an offshoot of uh, – there's a few mining um, companies, one called Griffin Minerals, which is yep. probably the best known, and the guys behind that um, floated Renaissance um, and they got me to be chairman of that, mm. which um, helped with getting that float away and uh, they had gold mining mm. projects in,
1: in um, Cambodia. Was that your first foray into the yeah it was, the mineral yeah. sector? Yeah. How did you find that? Because I imagine it's quite a different world to well to, to retail. Well, it
2: was completely different, you know. And I was um, I was really out of my depths when I first got there, but surrounded by knowledge, which I, I think, yeah. you, you know once once you're involved in something, if you surround yourself with people that have got the knowledge, you soon you soon learn the, the important bits of it. Mm. But yeah, look, it was an exciting time, and it, it was uh, relatively successful. And I think it uh, went once I left. It sort of got sold off to, to someone other yeah. company. So I'm not sure what happened. But it was yeah, it was an exciting time. Yep. Yeah, yeah,
1: Enjoyed it. I know you've had an association with uh, the Make A Wish Foundation uh, as well. Yeah, so fantastic uh, charity. I want to talk to you that uh, about that uh, more yeah. after the
0: break. This is inspiring stories uh, with our special
1: guest Rick Hart back with more in a moment.
0: You're listening to another edition of Inspiring Stories on 882 6PR for Barra and O'Day, WA's family owned funeral directors. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR, brought to you by Barra and O'Day.
1: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, we are hearing the inspiring story of Rick Hart. Uh, Rick, I know you've had an association with a couple of very. Uh, Worthwhile and uh, and long-standing charities here in Western Australia. Um, Make a Wish being one of them. Yeah, I mean a fantastic charity. Oh, I mean, I'm, look, there are so many great causes, uh, but this is really one of them, isn't it? Yeah, look, uh, that was an
2: amazing association. We we must have been involved with Make a Wish for about ten years. I think it was uh, originally through Ros Worthington, who yep. you know is such a great. She's uh, a, a, a force of nature. Yeah. Oh, she's amazing. So uh, you know, we we were involved with Make a Wish, and, and we did uh, two or three projects a year where we we got involved to to get kids their their wishes, and yep. and some of them were as simple as just wanting a cubby house in the backyard. You know, yeah, you'd you'd go about source, sourcing somebody that would would do that or provide it. Um, and some of the the, the things you know, we, kids wanted to go to Disneyland. You know, you'd organise all that. Mm. Um, one kid wanted to go to the snow. I'll never forget this one. We, we he wanted to go to the snow, so we had to organise to get him to the snow. And the the chain of events that that took place to get him there. You know, we we yeah. had we had, uh, we had a. Uh, Truck driver took this big truck to to drive him to the airport. Yeah. Uh, then the uh, then one of the airlines provided the airfares to get him over there. Then there was a stretch limo to pick him up at the airport to wow. take him to the mm. road road to the mountains, whatever. And then at the mountains, there was a bus to take him up to the uh, wherever it was. And then there was a helicopter to take him to the snowfields. And, and yeah. it was just an amazing experience. Yeah. And it was all about people coming together to make it happen. And, mm. and there were dozens of those stories. So. Yeah. A very, very beautiful charity, and and to see the the results of those kids, you know, and some some of those kids who had terminal illnesses, yeah, actually survived, you know, and yeah, you, and you wonder whether just the lifting of their spirit, yeah, giving them the, the the will to get over it, and you know, we were so gratified with some of that, yeah, that's you can't
1: stuff. underestimate the yeah. the value of a of a positive, absolutely, mindset. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So that that was a great experience, and um, and then. Uh, through circumstances, we moved on to um, the other end of the scale. I guess is, is Lifeline you know, yeah. and, and prevention of suicide. And um, you know, going back to to my Rick Hart days, we had uh, at our peak we had three hundred and thirty employees. So, yep. So within those, there's always people that have, have got issues and struggling. Uh, yeah. Mm. So. Um, I, we thought that um, being involved with Lifeline and and we we run a golf day every year to raise funds specifically to train yep. telephone counselors because yep. they just can't get enough of those and they don't have enough.
1: Funding. They are right at the coalface, oh, aren't they? Those people, that, people who are talking to people in their in their darkest moments—they do a, a phenomenal job, don't they? Uh,
2: absolutely amazing. The, you yeah, know, and the,
1: the the passion and the uh, you know the. the, the way
2: that they go about it is yeah. quite amazing quite humbling yeah it is, it yeah. is yeah. yeah, so that's a great charity as well and we, we really love our involvement I sort of breakfast uh, just this morning with um, Lifeline and uh, yeah. some of the things they do is just incredible yeah,
1: yeah. and it, it must be pleasing though you know uh, you've obviously uh, you know been around for a little while and had to employ people, like you said. You yeah. know, at, at one point, several hundred. Um, uh, the community attitudes towards mental health, uh, yeah, changed. It's still got some way to go, but uh, changed a lot over the years. Oh,
2: it has. It's uh, it's it's absolutely. It's sort of out in the open, and and thankfully it is. You know, because yeah, um, when it's out in the open, you've got some hope of being able to save people. Mm. Uh, when it's sort of behind closed doors and no one knows about it, there's no hope of being able to save. yeah. And you know that they do a lot of work now, trying to get rid of the stigma of suicide and that sort yeah. of thing. And and um, you know some of the, you know, we, we, I think somebody spoke this morning to say that uh, when he was at school, you'd never heard of anyone suiciding or, no. or whatever. You know, and and now, you know, sometimes there's three or four in a in a short period of time at mm. various schools. But one of the factors there is that. Often you didn't know about it, you know. It probably no. was happening, mm. but it was hidden, you know. Yep. And, and um, one of the, one of the girls there said that um, she lost a, a sister or a brother um, forty years ago, mm. and she'd told everyone that he died of an asthma attack, but he'd actually suicided. Mm. But, but in those days, they didn't they didn't because, because there the was stigma. such a stigma. Yeah. yeah. So they're they're doing some great things mm. to remove that
1: and try and help kids. Yep. You know, kids. Um, suicides and that sort of thing. so yeah. it's a great charity as well. What do you do to to unwind these days, Rick? Do you consider yourself to be at least semi-retired? Yeah, I don't really, Tim. I I, I
2: sort of, I I could probably adopt that title, but <laughs> you prefer uh, not to. Yeah, look, I'm I'm a person that needs activity to, to yeah. keep me going, you know, and I I I, I really love business and yeah. and I love being involved in business and so on. So it's it's pretty hard when you've had a forty odd year career in in business to sort of wind back and say I yeah. don't switch I don't want off to do entirely. That you know? yeah. so uh, there's still a little flicker flicker going there. So we've got to do something about that either extinguish <laughs> it
1: completely or, uh, or, yeah. or or move on to something. Well, what what but what relaxation what gets your gets, you, gets your blood going in the morning?
2: Oh, look, I you know I. I I do a couple of mornings a week at the gym, and uh, I, I'm an early riser. I love going for a walk. I love going down and get the paper and yeah. have a read of the paper. I'm one of those old-fashioned people that yeah. likes that <laughs>
1: feel. <laughs> Harry um, Stokes will love hearing you say that. Oh, I'm sure he would, yeah.
2: <laughs> and, uh, but, I, look, I unwind um, playing golf. I love Even though it's such a frustrating game, but I, I love the fact that you can go out and play yeah. golf. And it wouldn't matter if World War Three was going on outside. You're only thinking of that little one. Yeah, you pill.
1: can read that in the paper the next day. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And things like that. And, uh, you know, family uh, as much as I can. I've got five little grand grandchildren. So I, yep. I, I, I don't yep. spend as much time with them as I'd like to, but I try and mm. do as much as I can. So yep. that's very relaxing. Mm. And my, my other one is getting up to the farm on, on a Sunday and wandering around and uh, checking the horses. and Yeah. Away.
1: So is that just a, that's a weekend retreat
2: for you? Yeah, well, it's not really because it, it got so big that I had to put someone mm. on their living. So now it's a day trip usually yeah. that I just go up and spend a,
1: spend a few hours up there wandering around. Final question, Rick. Yeah, season twenty nineteen, where are the Fremantle Dockers going to finish?
2: Well, we spoke earlier that they they've got eight eight wins on board for this year, so that's a springboard to be able to get get to twelve. Twelve. Okay. Um, yep. Is it possible? Um, I, I think a lot will depend on what happens in this next couple of months with the trading and yep. recruiting and what comes out of all that. Who who, who's, who goes? Mm. Who stays? Um, if they can improve on the uh, the group that they've got now, then they're probably capable of, of jumping into okay. to maybe number eight spot. Yes. But. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge, so yeah. I'm not expecting miracles. But we just like like to see improvement. And I'd I'd like to think that 2020 is probably a year where they can have a, yeah.
1: a real crack. All right. Well, I reckon most Dockers fans would be pretty happy to mm. say at the end of 2019, 12 wins under their belt. I reckon they'd take that. It would be lovely yeah. if that was to happen. I'd, it's I'd, a, I'd be praying. Let's for hope that. it comes true. Yeah. Rick, thank you very much for coming in and sharing your story. Yeah, it's been, been, been fantastic an to, to to learn more about your history and. Uh, and your predictions for the future as well. Hopefully you are a, uh, a reliable crystal ball gazer. Let's hope, yeah. No, it's been a pleasure <laughs> Pleasure talking to you, Tim. Thank you very much. That's the inspiring story of Rick Hart here on 882 6 pm. Everyone has a story to tell. This one is brought to you by Bower and O'Day. We look forward to you joining us again next time as we unearth another WA inspiring story.